This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is... Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Arsenal News Show. Join you every morning at 8 a.m. UK time. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Thank you, as always, for making this part of your morning routines. It is very much appreciated. I hope you've had a fantastic weekend. Hope that you're ready for the brand new week. Uh, is ahead of us with plenty of Arsenal to come. Of course, Arsenal play midweek against West Ham on Wednesday. Uh, Arsenal then travel up to Newcastle for the Saturday game as well. So plenty to discuss, plenty to talk about, plenty to get excited for, and I hope that you're going to be able to do that with me today as well. Good morning to those joining us live in the chat box. Thank you ever so much for doing so. Mo, to Barry, to Old Dave, to Jimbo, to Johnny, Martin, Stephen, Bakary Lasagna, Granddaddy Gouda, Paul, Stevie, Martin. Uh, good morning to Amira, and Matt G, and Damien, and Runs with Cows. We've got uh, Moyam Buea, uh, which I hope I pronounce uh, probably completely wrong. Uh, Tom, Shari, Jalali, Adrian, uh, Vala. We've got Al Hassan, uh, Creambone, Paul, Rowan and plenty more of you guys joining us as well. Thank you, everybody, for doing so. It is very much appreciated. And uh, we've got a few stories, of course, to talk about. If you're new to the show, we do these every single day at 8 a.m., except tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow morning, there won't be a live 8 a.m. show. I may be able to pre-record something for you, but I'm going to be at Mikel Arteta's press conference tomorrow morning, and it's a very early. Uh, it's a very early time. So, sadly, I will not be able to do the show and get around the M25 in time in rush hour. It's just not going to be possible. So, apologies for that. Um, but there might be a pre-recorded show. There may not. Uh, it depends if I have time today at some point to record something. So, watch out for that if it is indeed possible. Uh, you'll be certainly notified either way. Uh, whether or not there'll be a show. So keep your eyes peeled on the uh, on the feeds uh, for tomorrow. Um, Win the dog in the press conference. He was in the last one. Win was there for the last presser and I wasn't. And I am, yeah, annoyed. Fizzy says it's 9am here today. That's because we've gone through daylight savings. So the show is at a different time, but it's still 8am here in the UK. So uh, you've got to get used to this new time. People around the world, this is when they are going to be dropping right let's go into today's story shall we um please do not sack 
Eric Ten Hag, Manchester United. Please, 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 I beg you, do not sack him. He's doing a brilliant, brilliant job. In fact, I think he's arguably worthy of manager of the month uh, for October. I think that the the work that's gone in uh, at Manchester United, the recruitment, oh, what stellar recruitment it's been like, the amount of millions that have been spent to progress that team forwards and and done it in such a successful way has to be maintained. Keep spending that money. Keep spending the money. Uh, it was a great idea to to allow Jim Ratcliffe to purchase twenty five percent of the club, and uh, you know to ostracise Jaden Sancho to leave, allow Cristiano Ronaldo to leave. You know, I think everything that Eric Ten Hag has done has, has just been gloriously perfect for Arsenal. Uh, and that's why that's why he should not be sacked. Uh, of course, I'm referencing the Manchester Derby yesterday. Man City coming out 3-0 winners. It's actually, you know, in a way, this is the only positive I can take because I'd rather Man United actually got a result in yesterday's game because, of course, it does mean that Man City have caught up to Arsenal. Um, they are third in the table because of they've scored one less goal than us. Can I just repeat that one more time? Man City are third in the table because we've scored more goals than them. That's a really important thing to point out. So for all of the lauding of last season saying, well, Arsenal haven't progressed, they've arguably gone backwards from last season. Well, we've currently got more goals than Manchester City. Um, so, you know, that's that's certainly something to, to think about. I mean, looking at the Premier League table, of course, frustratingly, we have to talk about who's top of it, which at the moment continues to be Spurs, although they've got a very difficult run of games coming up. Uh, they play Chelsea at home. They then play away to Wolves. They then got Aston Villa. They then got Man City. They then got West Ham. Then Newcastle. So a pretty tough run of games they've got coming up, and hopefully it sees the undoing of their ways and Arsenal will uh, prevail in moving ahead of them. Elsewhere on the table, of course, Liverpool uh, winning their game yesterday. Mo Salah. Uh, Diego Jota, of course, and we should mention with regards to Liverpool that we hope for the safe return of Luis Diaz's father. Um, thankfully, we've heard news that his, his mother has been rescued, but we're still awaiting news on his, his father, as far as I'm aware. So our thoughts are certainly with them and their family and in the hope that uh, they get some positive news very soon. Incredibly sad story, that. Uh, Aston Villa, uh, again, winning, uh, getting a good result, 3-0 in their fixture. And uh, if you've got Musa Diaby in your fancy team, you'd be very happy. I certainly do, so I was very happy about that. Um, but uh, once again, Unai Emery proving that that home record and Arsenal are going to have to travel to Aston Villa very soon. It's going to be very interesting to see if Arsenal can end that home record because it's very strong indeed. Newcastle, of course, drop points. We know that because they play on the same day as us. And Brighton dropped points in their game, uh, drawing 1-1. And uh, they just, they're just not the same Brighton team this season as they have been. I'm not going to lie. I do feel a little bit good about that. I, I felt like Brighton needed a little bit of a humbling. I don't know about you. I just felt like they needed a little bit of a humbling. Um, so I, I, For me, I really do think that, uh, you know, uh, that we can take plenty of positives, plenty of positives, um, for uh, for that, uh, I had a good chat actually uh, with Eddie and Ketia, as did a number of other reporters. We spoke to Eddie and Ketia after the game uh, against uh, Sheffield United on uh, on Saturday, and I want to play you a quick clip of that. So sit back, relax, and, and listen. 
Third goal was obviously a fantastic strike, and you're mainly known for those like little finishes in the six yard, ten yard box. Does, is it come from confidence to then take that shot on after you've scored the first two? I just practice, I've been practicing all the time. You know, sometimes it comes or sometimes it doesn't, but I was in a good rhythm today. It was a great touch and a great strike, and yeah, obviously a nice goal to, to complete the hat trick. That's Eddie Nketi there speaking after Arsenal's game against Sheffield United on Saturday. Uh, Eddie in the room, um, for sure. I, I think, um, you know, I, a lot of us were asking and kind of talking about specifically the question of uh, if that third goal came specifically um, from the fact that he'd got the first two. And that's why I asked the question, because we do associate Eddie Nketi as being a bit of a finisher. We associate him with being a player that in the six-yard box around that that area of the goal is when he is most lethal uh, and in kind of a 10-yard area around the goal as well. And I think that in those smaller spaces in and just outside of the six-yard box, and that's why I said 10-yard box, I know people are going to leave comments like, it's not called the 10-yard box, Tom, it's the 16-yard box. But you know what I mean. It's kind of in that area, uh, slightly outside the six-yard uh, box in itself. And when he took that strike, I just, in my mind, thought, I feel like he doesn't take that shot on if he hasn't scored the first two. But to be fair to him, he backed himself and he says that he is uh, practicing plenty in training, which is obviously fantastic to uh, to hear uh, from that angle as well. He spoke to uh, some of the other journalists as well after the game and uh, you can read plenty of those those quotes that have come out in the wake of, of Saturday's game and I recommend that you uh, that you do so. But um, yeah, he, he spoke to Amy Lawrence and Mark Man Bryans and Simon Collings as well. So uh, I recommend going and give them a watch. There's... Uh, another interview uh coming out around midday today so uh yeah sorry it's the 18 yard box all right fine it's the 18 yard box yes guys it's the 18 yard box uh <laughs> when i was a kid it was a 16 yard box that's because it's smaller pictures but yes in the men's game sure it's the 18 yard box fine i was wrong <laughs> God, you guys love it when I'm wrong. <laughs> anyway, let's get on to the uh, the transfer story, shall we? Uh, according to the Mirror, Arsenal are said to still hold an interest in Martin Zubamendi, the Real Sociedad defensive midfielder. Um, for me, I think it would be a fantastic move if Arsenal were to sign, you know, a number six of this quality Spanish international. Um, and I think that, you know, the issue that we've had in trying to convince a player like him to join Arsenal has obviously been the, uh, you know, the fact of the matter that that he wanted to stay at La Real and has wanted to to progress that side. He plays with Kieran Tierney, of course, at the moment. Um, so hopefully uh, that that interest in staying there ends and Arsenal can prize him away because I think it would be an excellent addition to the defensive midfield area for Arsenal and replace Thomas Partey for the future. The other player that was mentioned by the Mirror is Aurelien Chouameni. Um, but this link just seems ridiculous to me. Like I can't see why he would want to leave Real Madrid. Uh, he plays fairly regularly. Yes, he is out injured at the moment. He's got a, a stress fracture in his, his metatarsal, I think. Um, but uh, And that's going to keep him out for about six to eight weeks. But... He's a fantastic player and I don't know why on earth he would ever want to leave Real Madrid. So that just kind of seems crazy that I don't think there's any amount of money, you know, that would ever convince uh, Real Madrid to sell him. And I don't know why he would be convinced to to leave Real Madrid. Right, let's go to part two, shall we? And your questions right after this. Okay, uh, let's jump into the chat box, shall we? Um, Jalali says, how was golf? Golf was terrible. We didn't finish the round. It was so incredibly wet. 
Like the rain, we, it was raining when we started and I was having an okay round. I think I was on for a, a 90 score, which for me is pretty good. You know, my PB is 93 and I think I was on for a 90 score. But uh, my, my friend of mine who was, was not having the easiest of times and as we got to the 14th hole, uh, the heavens opened even more than they had done. So mercifully, uh, I said, maybe we should head in. So we did because it was horrific. A really, really bad weather yesterday. Um Byron, <laughs> use promo code Tom in the 16-yard area. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, Manu says, Tom, did you see what happened to the Lyon manager Fabio Grosso yesterday? I did indeed. Horrific scenes. And it's one of those things where you're like, these types of incidents we see a lot, you know, coaches approach. Uh, I think Liverpool, Everton has seen it. Maybe Liverpool, Man United has seen it. Um, I, th- I think it's happened with Liverpool's coach or, or a coach going toward Liverpool. Um and it's just it is bad it's really bad and it's 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 clearly dangerous as was demonstrated yesterday by the horrific scenes that we saw and the horrific images that came out of the of fabio grosso after the after what happened and i don't know how you know are you going to give them a ban because it's like it didn't happen inside the stadium it could happen anywhere it could happen with fans you know not even in attendance of the game doing it so it's very difficult um to, to consider that as well. Um, Maximus says, Hi Tom, I hugely appreciate Eddie giving the ball to Fabio for the penalty to celebrate the birth of his child instead of going for his fourth, which only uh, Thierry Henry and Arshavin have accomplished for Arsenal. That's a great stat. You know, I mean, fair play to Eddie for giving that up. He would have joined uh, those two in having done that, um, scoring four goals in a Premier League game. Um, Rand says, Do you want to talk about Paul Tierney and his horrible pen decision or are we just tired of the topic? Right, let's talk about this. Let's talk about the penalty in yesterday's Manchester derby. I personally think it's a pen. And I think that it's that there's not much controversy for me about the penalty being given. The controversy, as I spoke on social media about, comes from the fact that this happens in loads of games and is not given. That's, that's for me, is the problem. And if they were given, players wouldn't grab and pull and, you know, bring players down like that, like they did. You can't do... Uh, what Hoyland did in the box. And the frustrating thing is Harry Maguire does it to Haaland in the second half and it's not given. And that's the problem is if you're going to give it, which I think you should, you have to give it for the others because if you're going to give the penalties, eventually the the deterrent should exist to then, you know, prevent players from doing that. Rodri gets away from from Hoyland and Hoyland's ego takes over and he brings him down. You know, I know a lot of Man United fans reference the Gabriel Hoyland incident in the Arsenal game. For me, that's a different situation where both players are grabbing hold of one another. He never gets the better of Gabriel in that moment. Gabriel's physicality in that position wins out that duel. The ball is away from Hoyland and Gabriel wins that duel. But in this Hoyland Rodri situation, Rodri gets away from from Hoyland, and Hoyland grabs him and brings him down, and is a completely different scenario. But then in the second half, Harry Maguire is just grabbing hold of of Haaland, and it's and it's not given. And if you give the first, you have to give the second. It's just inconsistent, and there is no consistency in the game regarding these. Whatsoever. I remember the Tommy Asu at Manchester United. Do you remember Tommy Asu? I think was grabbed by Maguire and brought down. Nothing given. They aren't given, and that's where the controversy is. Because whilst it, yes, it's a penalty, and there shouldn't be any question marks for me about it being a pen or not, because it's a foul, and it would be anywhere else on the field. But it's the fact that that's not given elsewhere, and that's the problem. 
Um, you can't you can't grab your arm around a player and bring them down like that when they get away from you. You just can't. It's ridiculously immature by Hoyland, uh, and maybe he'll learn, but maybe he won't because you know then it happens later on in the game with somebody other some of the other players and nothing's given. So it's just a lack of consistency. I don't think that's too controversial to discuss there. I think that's just the reality of the situation. So yeah, there you go. Uh, Jay says, why should Arsenal pick Neto over Huang when Huang has scored more goals uh, recently? Because Neto is more of an accomplished forward, in my view, the, the, the pace, the style that he is the fact that he's an inverted winger which is what we need stylistically is a lot more uh, tailored to what Arsenal need over Huang it's not about just how many goals you've scored you know we talked about this before that's that's what's important in that game is that in, in that uh, situation it's the, the, the profile of the player the problem is that Neto has suffered a bit of an injury it seems and so we don't know how long he's going to be out for again very frustrating a hamstring problem um Let's hope it's it's not serious um, because, you know, they're meant to be playing Spurs very soon, which was meant to be an opportunity for Neto to be important, but they may be missing him for that game. Um, David Ellum says, how is our Brazilian guy doing on loan? I, I assume you're talking about uh, Marquinhos, uh, who is on loan at Nantes uh, this season. Uh, he, of course, uh, spent last season on loan with, with Norwich uh, as well. But I, I can't say he's grabbed the attention of, of many people. He's not really pulling up too many trees. I'm having a look at his record so far this season on Transomart. He has one assist in five games and he's played 89 minutes. He wasn't in the squad for the last three games. I don't know why. I've not heard anything about an injury. I don't know if there is an injury or something like that. Maybe someone in the, in the chat box will, will let me know. But he's not been in the squad for the last three games. Don't know why. Um, but he's played a maximum of 89 minutes. 88 minutes, actually, um, for... Uh, further, further than the season. So, yeah, not it's not going too well, David, I'm afraid. Uh, Jack says, Tom, after all the haters still came out despite winning 5-0, what do you think is the biggest detriment to the enjoyment of football today? Is it VAR or social media? It's always going to be social media, Jack, because there's always going to be idiots out there, I'm afraid. You know, uh, There's always going to be referee mistakes, sure. Um, but, you know, it's... I think um, I saw a, a study. I can't remember where it was. Apologies for not giving credit here, but I saw a study being done and it was like uh, somebody did a study on, on, they did like a sample size of all the clubs in the Premier League and like you had a sample size of supporters and they had to vote for who they thought was the scariest fan base. And so I assume by scariest, you mean like full of like the reactionary takes and the chaotic, um, you know, views that come out. And in that study, which I wish I could give credit to whoever did it, um, in that study, uh, I might be able to. I'll try and find it for you. Uh, Arsenal were the only club um, that voted for themselves. Uh, <laughs> believe it or not. I mean, I'm sure I can find and credit the where it's come from. Uh, yes. So... Um, a study by Bonus Code Bets revealed that despite Millwall being ranked the most intimidating fan base overall, just 7% of 18 to 24-year-olds agreed with 28% of youngsters' fans placing the Gunners on top. Research also revealed that Arsenal fans are the only fans in the country to pick their own support as the most frightening. Manchester United Limbal fans voted for each other's supporters as the scariest and Vinnie Jones has been voted for the most intimidating player of all time ahead of Roy Keane. Asking, if you're asking why this study was done, it's because it was a Halloween type study um, without of course being tomorrow. But yes, Arsenal fans in that study were the only ones that voted for themselves. <laughs> 
which is quite amusing uh, indeed. Uh, and says Mika Bira scored a goal and made an assist in his first game back from injury. Four goal contributions in three games of Motherwell. Fantastic. Um, and uh, they've been very impressed with him, I hear, uh, Ansa, up in, up in Motherwell. The manager in particular has been very impressed with him. Um, I'm not sure he's going to be good enough to you know, break into a senior level at Arsenal, but maybe Arsenal will be able to make a bit of money off the back of a, a potential sale. So it's important that you do that. Uh, Jay says, what are your thoughts on Palinia for DM and Pedri and David Garcia for centre mid? Um, I doubt you're going to get Pedri out of uh, out of Barcelona. And Palinia's age profile sadly doesn't fit uh, with what Arsenal will be looking for uh, in terms of that position. Amira says, fans don't think Eddie's good enough, but does his praise have to come from with a but? Great goals, but it's Sheffield United, etc. Can't we just celebrate how far an academy kid has come? But isn't it? He scored goals, but he scored two against Manchester United. He scored two against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. Like, let's be honest, the kid scores goals in big games as well. And, you know, in a piece that I did yesterday, let me non-penalty goals for starts in the last three season. And I'm talking about goals per game. So non-penalty goal per start. So we're not talking about goals that have, you know, we don't count goals that have been scored when coming off the bench. Non-penalty goals per starts in the Premier League in the last three seasons. So it's a, it's a, it's a fraction. It's not like a, a tally of goals. It's talking about per game. So we're dividing it by the amount of starts that they've had. Eddie Nketiah has a better non-penalty goal per start ratio in the last three seasons than Ivan Tony. And you might turn around and say to me, well, Ivan Tony's not played this season. Well, it doesn't matter because we're talking about goals per start. So you're being the goals you're scored are being divided by the number of starts that you've got. And this is why I say to people, I feel as though if Eddie Nketiah was playing for Brentford, I think he'd score a similar amount of non-penalty goals to Ivan Tony. And this is why I think that the Ivan Tony thing is so overhyped. And the idea of signing Ivan Tony is so overhyped because we've already got a player that scores to a similar, if not slightly more regular level when he starts games compared to Ivan Tony. And so I can't get I can't get my head around why there's this clamour for somebody like like Tony when already Arsenal have got that. I think Arsenal should be going for if you're going to sign a striker, and I'm more than happy for Arsenal to go out and sign a striker. I'm not saying that Eddie is the future of Arsenal. I still need to be convinced of that. What I'm saying is is that I think we need to go for something of a really higher, a much much higher caliber. Um, that's that's what's really important. Um, Let's go to Aditya says, hi, Tom. Uh, now with the signs that Partey is heading towards an exit, whom do you think we should go for? Well, we've been linked with Zubamendi this morning. You know, I've talked about Yusuf Fafana. I think there are options out there that Arsenal could go to. One of those two, I think, would be excellent for Arsenal to go for because they they offer up the opportunity to use Rice as, a, as an eight or a six. I don't think it really matters. I think Rice can play both positions. I know that people want to shoehorn Rice into a six or an eight. I, I think, you know, you know, allow him to be free. Allow him to to use that opportunity to play in either role, because I think he's fantastic. Um, Maggie says, wait, how is that calculated, Tom? Is it the total goals, number of starts? Does it include goals that Eddie scores? No. So it doesn't include goals that Eddie scored as a sub. It's only counting goals that he scored when he started games and only goals that Ivan Tony scored when he started games, non-penalty goals. Obviously, if it were talking about penalty goals included, Tony's is better, but... Their penalties, so take them out of the equation about goals that have been scored from open play, um, and Eddie's Eddie's records for goals that he scored when starting Premier League games. So the numbers exactly. Um, I get my other laptop out for this. In fact, I might be able to remember off the top of my head. I think it's this season. He has four. Is it four in eight? Let me find it. 
I've got it here. Uh, it is this season. Eddie has four goals uh, when he's starting his eight starts this season in the and this is Premier League by the way. Premier League goals, four goals in nine starts last season, and five goals in eight starts in the Premier League the previous season. So they are all goals that were scored when he started games. So we're not counting the goal he scored uh, against Fulham this season. We're not counting the goal he scored, I think, three seasons ago. Uh, who was it against? Was it against Palace? Somebody? Yeah, we're not We're not counting that. So, But uh, Tony's obviously scored 21. So it was 14 non-penalty goals last season and seven non-penalty goals, I think, the season before that. So it's 21. Uh, in a in a higher number of of starts, obviously for uh, for Brentford, but it works out that Enketi has got a better goal scoring rate for Premier League starts than than Ivan Tony does. Um, Odovani says, I think Raya and Tony worked well in the past for Brentford, and it would offer us something different if he wins a lot of headers. I don't want to sign a striker just because they're taller. You know, I really don't. I don't think that's a reason to sign somebody. If you want to do that, play Kai Havertz up front. You know, you've got a striker there that's. That's tall. Ivan Tony, you know, six foot one. He's not like, I mean, I'm taller than Ivan Tony. <laughs> so it's not like a simple case of bringing a tall striker. That will change everything. I don't think that's the, you know, if the reason for bringing is a striker, so our goalkeeper can punt long balls up to them. No, and, and Arteta doesn't want us to do that. Arteta doesn't want that. That's not the way Arteta. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Plays. Arteta doesn't play with long balls. So I don't think that's a reason to, to go and sign him. I get the idea of bringing in a, a player to have like a different traits. But we have Havertz to bring on at the end of the games to, to add some verticality if you want up top. So, yeah, I don't think that works. Rob says, would pulls and fouls in the in the penalty box have been a better directive than time-wasting and card-asking for PGMOL? By the way, where uh, where's that gone? Uh, Maguire doing WWF or the other wrestling, a real issue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jalali says, how much business do you think we'll do in January? We know that we need three players, but who do you think we will actually get? We say we need three players. We can't sign three players right now. Like it's, it's actually impossible for us to sign three players. We have a 25-man squad. We have the maximum number of players in our group. And if you need evidence to, to suggest that's true, I'll run you through it. Ramsdale, Raya, Hein, uh, Saliba, White, that's five. Gabriel, Timber, Kivior, Cedric, Tomiasu, that's 10. Zinchenko, Thomas Partey, Odegaard, Smith-Rowe, Jorginho, that's 15. Vieira, Elneny, Havertz, Rice, uh, Saka, uh, that's 20. Jesus, Martinelli, Nketiah, Trossard, Nelson, 25. Our 25-man squad is full. So if we want three players in January, we have to sell three players in January. I know that you can leave players out or just not register them, sure. But 
that's not going to happen, is it? Like the only player that you're not going to register is Cedric. You're, you're going to register Elneny, you're going to register Nelson, you're going to register Smithrow, you're going to register Inketia. Now, these players aren't suddenly not going to be registered. We have to sell if we want to bring players in. And this is why Arteta, in his pre-match press conference ahead of the Sheffield United game, turned around and said, we need bigger squads. You know, we need a squad that's bigger. We need a 30-man squad or a 40-man squad. You know, Arteta was calling for it in the pre-match press conference. He said, we need a bigger squad. And he wasn't talking about like bringing in more players. He wasn't talking about signing more players. He was talking about an increase in the number of players. Now, I completely understand where your question's coming from. Like, we need three players in the sense of like, we need to improve the level of quality in defence. Like, we need to swap Cedric out for a better defender. We need to swap maybe Elneny or Partey out for a better midfielder or like a more available midfielder in the case of Partey, not better. You're going to struggle to find someone better. And we need to swap out maybe Nelson or someone like that for a, a better forward. You know, I absolutely understand where the question's coming from. But when you're asking how many do I think we'll actually get or attempt to sign, I think it's unrealistic to say any more than one. You know, how can you how can we realistically say that we expect to sign more than one player? Um, and so because of that, I don't see any more than one being signed in January because we are at the maximum. We are, we are at the absolute maximum when it comes to the amount of players that we've got available to us. Um, Damien says, increase the squad size. It's a very good idea in order to help with the players playing too much games. And I think it should. I think we should be increasing um, the, the amount of, of, of squad size to 30. I think it should be a 30-man squad. If you want to play this many games, 25 is not enough. See Chelsea and Man United, they've had injuries leading up to like 10 players being out at once. That's mental. You know, so it should be increased. Uh, it should be increased to, to at least 30, in my opinion. Um, let's go to uh, Innocent Elema says, I don't think you are right on the tone in any Eddie analogy. I, I, I mean, it's st- stats. It's just facts, isn't it? Like, it's just the numbers. The numbers prove that's the case. So <laughs> you could not think that I'm right, but the, the, the stats show that. Um Old Dave says Reese is the most underrated player on the planet. And he probably will continue to be because he's not going to start for us regularly. But maybe we'll see him start on Wednesday. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Louis says we have Jorginho, Partey and Elneny all needing to be sold soon. Who are you replacing them with? And I think in the summer we might see them, you know, move. I mean, we, we might see Jorginho's contract expires at the end of the season, but we have an option to extend that by a year. So let's see if that happens. Um you know, uh, when it comes to uh, Partey, his availability is a problem, so we probably need to move him on. And El Nenny, he comes to an end of his contract at the end of the season. So in the summer, we'll certainly sign players. You know, in the summer we will, but in January, there's just not space. You know, there's just not space. Crusader says stats aren't always right, though. And of course, stats aren't always right. But do you know what is right? Do you know when you're looking at it in this case? Is that Eddie and Ketia has got a better goal per start, non-penalty goal per start ratio than Ivan Tony. And do you know what? What's right about that is that that is a big reason to not justify spending £65 million on a striker that doesn't have as good of a start goal, non-penalty goal per start ratio than our backup striker. That's what's right. That's what the evidence is. So, yeah. Um Oh, Dave says, if Reese doesn't start Wednesday, uh, Mikel Arteta is going back on my bad list. Um, 
Carico says you need to compare goals per chance, not just goals. Uh, it's a fair point. You know, it's fair. We could talk about conversion rates and what's the conversion rates of those forwards. Certainly, I can do some more research into that and maybe return for you tomorrow with those. Uh, with with those. In terms of like fewer chances, it'd be interesting to see. Uh, let's see. Let's go on FB Ref and have a look. I'm curious now. You've piqued, piqued my interests. Uh, let's go on player comparisons. We want to go on to... Uh, Tony, and we want to go on to Nketia. Eddie Nketia, here we go. Uh, so shall we look at uh, Tony last season, and we'll look at Nketia uh, this season. Annoyingly, what's the problem with that? these types of stats is that like you can't compare multiple seasons in, in, with, available, um, with available usage. And also, I'm trying to find non-penalties as well, because it will take into account penalties in, in these. You can't do like non-penalty chance conversion, I don't think. Let me see if I can find anything that suggests uh, goal per shot. Is that what we want? Okay, so minimum, so goal per shot, okay? <laughs> you're going to find this, you're going to laugh. Ivan Tony for Brentford, goals per shot, 0.16. Eddie Nketiah, anyone want to guess? So Ivan Tony last season had a goal per shot ratio, and I'm assuming this includes penalties. I don't know why it wouldn't. Of what 0.16. So for every shot, there was a 0.16, I suppose, chance that it was going to be scored. Uh, so 0.16 goals. Does anyone want to guess what uh, Enketia's goal per shot was uh, and, and is this season? Um, so this season for Enketia, last season, of course, for Tony, because we don't have this season. Uh, Green Gooder say 0.8. Um, it says three. You imagine if it was three, that'd be ridiculous. That's like, the, if it was three, it would be the most crazy. That means he's scoring three goals for every shot he takes. <laughs> it's like, it's impossible. It's like literally impossible unless it's, imagine that. Imagine he was scoring three goals for every shot he took. <laughs> be incredible. So, uh, yeah, so Ivan Tony has a 0.16 goal per shot ratio. Uh, Eddie Nketiah, 0.21. So, uh, there you go. There's the... Uh, <laughs> There you go. Uh, Eddie Nketty has a, a better goal per shot ratio than, than Ivan Tony. Chrisetta says, but you're comparing a much different sample size. These stats are irrelevant. <laughs> it's literally like, here's the sand, here's your head, there goes your head, into the sand. <laughs> I'm just going to ignore all of the evidence, all of the data, because it just doesn't fit with what I believe in. You know, if it came up saying like, Eddie Nketty had a, a worse um, goal per shot. I'd be sitting there holding my hands going, you know, fair play. It's another bit of stat that provides a, a little bit more evidence to this this case. And it's like, uh, people are saying these stats are misleading. How are they misleading? Like, I don't get it. Like, how are these, every chance that he gets, he's scoring more goals than, than, than Tony is. I don't get it. I, I don't, I don't understand. It's really, it's really odd. So, yeah. Um, it is, it is what it is. <laughs> it, is, it is what it is. But yeah, goals per shots. There you go. You wanted it. You got it. So sorry about that. Um, Dwayne says, the Tony hate is real. So many stipulations to find stats for Eddie. I like Eddie, but Tony is better and would have better stats if he played for Arsenal. Like, 
it's not hate. This is what I get frustrated about is people just say it's hate. It's so reductive. It's like, I just think that there are better players out there for Arsenal to go and get than Tony. And I think there is a lot of evidence to suggest that that is true. And I point towards the evidence. And then people turn around to me and say, you're a Tony hater. And it's like, like, what can I do? I can't do anything to prove that, you know, I'm not a quote unquote hater. I just think we should go and get somebody better. I, I think, Tony, and I've said it many, many times. I think Tony's a very good striker. You know, I think he's a very good striker. But I think that Nketiah has got potential to be a very good striker. I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily convinced it's yet at Arsenal. And I think if he was a, a club like Brentford, like people use the often, you know, people use the, the line of, well, if, he, if Tony was at Arsenal, he'd have better players around him, so he'd score more goals. And I'm like, well, that works in your head. Like it works in words. It works in theory. But why don't you consider this theory being that Tony plays in a Brentford side that is entirely tailored around getting balls to the central striker. Whereas at Arsenal, if you look at the goals and how they were spread across the team last season, in Arsenal's season last year, in which they scored more Premier League goals than any other season in record, did Arsenal striker score more goals than any other player? And the answer is no. Gabriel Jesus did not score the most compared to any other player. You know, and, and that's the problem is that the goals are spread more evenly across Arsenal than they are across Brentford because Brentford is designed to get the ball to the striker. Even when Neil Mope is running through clear on goal and has an open goal to score, who does he pass to? And Buemo. You know, the idea is, is that that system and it's why part of me was always a little bit reluctant to sign Wilfred Zaha. It's because Crystal Palace with Wilfred Zaha, so much emphasis on getting the ball to Wilfred Zaha. And so statistically, he shone in that Palace because he was the best player, like Tony is Brentford's best player. And so because you're at a club like Palace and like Brentford, the system, the philosophy is about getting the ball to those players and letting them do their magic. If Tony was in Arsenal's team, he simply would not have that same level of focus, that same level of emphasis around getting the ball to him. You know, and Namdo says Tony plays in a two system, two striker system, and people fail to recognize how much space there often is because he scores due to their counter attacking system. It is a system that he's got two strikers, but Mbuemo doesn't get anywhere close to the level of goals as what Tony is. Not because he's not as good. You know, I think that Tony is better you know, than, than Abraham. But it's not because he's not as good. It's because they recognize Tony as the main man. And so the whole system is about getting it to him. And that's why when people say you're a hater, it just does not work. It just doesn't line up. It just doesn't make sense to me. And yet I throw number after number, fact after fact, evidence after evidence, but I'm a hater. You know, that's that's just because people can't accept that their opinion when even all the evidence is suggesting otherwise, they can't accept the fact that maybe, maybe they might not be right. And that's the world that we sadly live in. Um, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> let's go to, may I say, did Harlan start scoring more in a better team? Yes or no? Dortmund or City? Erling, are we really going for Erling Haaland now? Erling Haaland scored a silly number of goals for Dortmund. He scored a silly number of goals for, uh, for for Man City as well. It's like the worst case study that you could have possibly picked is that you pick the the out the anomaly 
the the, the Ronaldo Messi next gen player as the comparison for Ivan Tony. It's the worst possible example that you could have used is Ivan Tony. Um, Effie says, Tom, the truth hurts. The Tony Pro wing won't accept your factual truth. I know. Um, Jimbo says, we get Tony, then he'll be off to the bookies. Oh, dear. See, that's not fair because the guy has got a, a, an addiction, Jimbo. So, you know, uh, that's not certainly something that we should be using as anything. It's certainly not something that's affected my opinion of the player is is the uh, is the gambling addiction that, that he has. The issues that I've had with the off-field stuff has been the videos specifically, you know, things that we've said, the disrespect towards Brentford. That's what I've taken issue with in the past. But I'm not talking about here as the reasons why I don't want Tony. It's, for me, it's not to do anymore. It used to be. I used to really lean on those like off-field issues as a reason for not wanting Tony. Um, and... For now, now it's nothing to do with that. Now it's purely about the facts, about what goes on on the field as to why I'd prefer somebody else. Jay says, would you prefer Watkins over Tony? No, I think they're both in the same bracket and I think that Arsenal need to aim for better strikers than Watkins and Tony. We need to, for me, go for a younger striker. I don't think there's too many strikers out there, to be honest, that's going to upgrade on Gabriel Jesus. I think for me, it's more to do with the fact that we should sign a younger striker that's got the potential to have a higher ceiling than Jesus, which is why we talk about Jimenez, why we talk about Sesco, why we talk about Boniface. You know, we talk about these younger strikers that have got the potential to be world-class. I don't think Tony's a world-class striker. I think we need to look at players that can go to be world-class, you know, that have maybe got a greater, broader level of characteristics rather than just being a finisher. Maybe Evan Ferguson is that on the volley. I still, like, I feel need, I still feel like I need to see more from Ferguson to prove to me that he is in that bracket. Some people might say you're mad, but I, I feel like I just need to see more. Um, and I do need to look at specifically that idea of what's best for Arsenal in the future. And I just think that spending £65 million on a 27, 28, 29-year-old centre-forward is not what's best for Arsenal's future right now. I think you know Gabriel Jesus is, is for me, a world-class talented player because of his overall game. You know, it's not just to do with the goal scoring, it's to do with the creativity, it's to do with the physicality, it's to do with the all-roundness of his game that we saw brilliantly in that game against Sevilla last week. You know, that game was his perfect example of why, for me, that style of forward is perfect for Arsenal. Uh, and it's about trying to find a player that is going to level things up. You know, it's not for me about upgrading on Eddie Nketiah. For me, Jesus is the upgrade on Eddie Nketiah, and then you upgrade on Jesus himself. That's, for me, how... It works. Paul says Mudrick is surrounded by better players, but it's arguably gone backwards. Great point. I think Trossard's another great example. Trossard is a player that's moved from Brighton to Arsenal, a team with better players, and I think he is delivering at a very similar rate to what he was at Brighton. I don't think there's been a significant like jump in Trossard, who, by the way, is of a very similar age bracket to Tony. I think that's a really good example in terms of Trossard because he moved from a club at Brighton, you know, and he's now moved to Arsenal where there are better players. And yet the, the the output is very similar between Trossard when he was at Brighton and when he was, and he's now at Arsenal. So I think that's probably a better example for Mudrick. You know, the, the problem with the Mudrick example is that he's gone to a Chelsea side that are terrible, <laughs> you know, whereas Trossard is a good example because he was playing for a good Brighton team. He's moved to a better Arsenal team and the output is, is very similar to when he was at Brighton. So... That's, that's, I think, a much a better, perhaps, case study in that sense. Um, George says, I'm a mathematician, and some of, your, some of your looking are wrong. We're looking at second striker who comes in as a sub or starts when there are injuries. Ask how does he perform in this situation? I think, George, it's a really interesting point what you bring up there, actually. It's because 
We're talking about Enketia's non-penalty goals per start, and that, by the way, doesn't include any of the um, any of his goals that he scored when he was a sub, right? And we're expecting, and he's coming out with a better strike rate in that sense in non-penalty goals compared to Tony, despite the fact that Tony gets to play every single game, despite the fact that Tony gets the momentum of starting every single game from week to week to week to week. Eddie Enketia, on the other hand comes on as a sub he might get a run of four or five games here or there he might get a start a random start here a random start there there's no there's no consistency to what Nketiah's environment is at Arsenal there's never been any consistency to his his starts his, his, his appearances and I think that actually makes it even more impressive that Nketiah's strike rate has been better than Tony's I think that's even 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 better and Mr. says, Tom, I'm pretty sure that you said Eddie is not Arsenal level. And I have, and I still do. I still think that Eddie has got to go a long way to convince me that he is the long-term future of this club in that position. And if that comment was designed to try and undermine my position, it has the opposite effect. It strengthens my view that I think that Tony, for me, is not the guy because the guy that is scoring at a higher rate than him with non-penalty goals per starts for me, is not yet and has not yet convinced me that he is of the standard to take Arsenal to the next level and to continue Arsenal into the long-term future. He's doing some really good things and I appreciate those things that he's doing. But I need more. I need more consistency. I need more starts. I need him to oust Jesus from that position himself, not when he's just injured. You know, I need for when Jesus comes back, for Nketiah to turn round and say to Arteta, I don't care that Jesus is back fit. I've scored here and here and here and here and here. He doesn't come back into the team yet because you have no reason to drop me. There's no reason to take me out. That's where we need to be when Jesus gets back fit. We need to be in a position where Eddie has stopped Jesus from coming back in. And if you think about last season when Jesus had his knee injury and he came on as a sub against Fulham, he was back in the starting lineup almost immediately because Eddie hadn't done enough. Trossard had ousted Eddie from the team because he hadn't been consistent enough in those starts. And so this time around, we need to see in these next run of games at Newcastle, um, against Burnley, uh, against Villa, against Wolves, so these games that we've got coming up, Eddie needs to show that when Jesus comes back, doesn't start. You know, And that's, that's what I need to see. So, yeah. I've said many times, I don't think Eddie is going to be the guy for Arsenal in the long term. But that doesn't mean that he can't. That doesn't mean that I can't be wrong. That doesn't mean that he can't prove me wrong. And I really hope that he does, because if he does prove me wrong, then it means it's great for Arsenal. In the same way that if Tony signs for Arsenal, I hope that he absolutely smashes it for Arsenal and makes me look like a right idiot. Because that's all I want. I want to look like an idiot when something that goes wrong is benefiting the club. That's what I want to happen. Can you imagine how silly you'd have to look to want, say, you know, what's an example? Say if you wanted Arteta out and then were like calling Arsenal to lose, for instance, you know, and then double down on that. <laughs> like you want Arsenal to win games, whether you want Arteta gone or not. You want Arsenal to win games, no matter whether you agree with the starting lineup or not. You want Arsenal to win games, period. It's the minimum expectation as a fan. Minimum expectation. And so if Tony was to arrive at Arsenal, despite my doubts, despite my criticisms, despite my absolute against the idea of that signing, I want him to succeed at Arsenal. I want him to do well and I'd back him. 
And I'd really want him to do well because that's what benefits Arsenal the most because no fan, no opinion, no player, no manager is bigger than this club. And as long as this club is succeeding, that is the most important thing that can happen. So there you go. Uh, Kish says, the idea with Tony is that he's bigger and taller, so we have a second option to put balls into the box and win aerial duels. However, Havertz can do that already. Get a proven striker as a number nine. Um, Camden says, by the way, I don't want Tony, but I feel like the context behind the sample size, most goals coming from one game against the worst side in the Prem. Again, I've talked about this. Two goals against Manchester United last season. Two goals against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge the season before that. So let's quit the whole, he scored against Sheffield United, doesn't matter. I'm sorry. He's delivered on the biggest stage against the biggest teams in the biggest game still. So let's forget that whole Sheffield United argument because it's a load of BS. Uh, Effie says, Eddie is the best backup for Jesus for now. Uh, Giroud for two years ago before we get world-class player to do miracles for us and look I hope that that player comes I hope we can go and get and be ruthless in the market and go and get an amazing centre forward but I don't see who that is right now I see that there's strikers out there that maybe could become that player and that's why I'm definitely not doing anything in January in the striker position not a chance not a chance and that's why you need to be looking in the summer for me at the options we need to be looking at the summer and looking at the options that are presenting themselves in that period. Anyway, uh, we've been going on for a little extra than I thought we were going to be. Thank you for listening. As I said, tomorrow the 8am show will not be in the same format. I either will have a pre-recorded show or there won't be one because I'm at the press conference tomorrow morning to hear from Mikel Arteta ahead of the game against West Ham United in the Carabao Cup on Wednesday. Uh, Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in. It is very much appreciated. And uh, if you could drop a like on the video, if you've got thoughts on anything we've discussed today, do leave them down in the comment section below. I try to reply to as many of your comments as feasibly possible. Look out around midday as well. I spoke to one of the other players after the game as well on Saturday. That's going to be coming out in an interview around midday on football.london. I'll, of course, be live on the Arsenal Way at 10 as well. So plenty of content coming your way here on the Arsenal Way and loads of other places too. So make sure you stay tuned. And uh, yes, just have a fantastic start to your week. Start it well. Start as you mean to go on. Strongly, happily. I hope you stay safe. I hope you stay well and uh, enjoy yourselves. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.